So our readings today talk a lot about widows. Widows are mentioned three times between our first reading and our gospel. In the first reading, it's the widow of Zarephath who provides for Elijah, even though she doesn't have enough for herself and her son. And then Jesus condemns the scribes who selfishly help themselves to the meager resources of widows. And then he points to a specific widow who is giving her last two copper coins to the temple treasury. The message today is clear. We must give everything to God. But it's not simple. Is Jesus praising the widow for giving her last two cents to the temple? Or is he lamenting that the scribes have duped her into doing this? All depends on which commentary you read. Today, let us wrestle with the challenges. Are we willing to trust in God completely? Or do we value self-reliance? We have each, different, we, each of us have a different amount of money. But we each have a lot of talents. And we're all given exactly the same amount of time each day. How do we use our time, our talent, and our treasures to love God and to love our neighbor? Do we only give out of our excess or once we have provided for ourselves? For the times when we have been overly selfish, let us ask God to have mercy. Lord Jesus, you were born into our world and walked among us. Lord, have mercy. Christ Jesus, the world was created through you and for you. Christ, have mercy. Lord Jesus, you inspire us as members of your body to be good stewards of that creation. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. The Gospel of Mark moves at lightning speed. Bing, bang, boom. This is what Jesus did. This is what he said. There's a sense of urgency. Almost every story in the original Greek starts with the Greek word for immediately. Jesus, then he immediately did this. In our next to last week with Mark this year. Yes, next week's the last week for Mark for a while. The message is clear. Jesus desires each of us to be his disciple. And being a disciple requires us to give everything. To God. For most of us, that's a really scary proposition. It goes against every fiber of our being. We've all heard the maxim, God helps those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. <laughs> yes, we must use some of our time and our talent and our treasure to provide for our physical needs. But it's too easy to delude ourselves into lavishing too much on ourselves. Everything is supposed to be in service of God. Interestingly, the maxim, God helps those who help themselves, I thought when I was putting this homily together, was written by Benjamin Franklin. That's not the case. Ben Franklin was quoting Algernon Sidney, who was born 80 years before him. But we can find variations of this maxim in the Quran and in the plays of Euripides and Sophocles. We've been saying this for about 2,500 years, but it's not what our Gospels say. Elijah, the great prophet, only shows up in the Bible nine verses before our first reading begins today. But already a lot has happened to him. Elijah appears out of nowhere, declaring to King Ahab that there will be a drought of several years. 
God then commands Elijah to hide at the Wadi Cherith. That's a tributary of the Jordan River. And God has ravens provide him with bread and meat twice a day. But eventually the drought catches up with Elijah and the Wadi Cherith runs dry. God then sends Elijah into the foreign land of Sidon, telling him that a widow there will provide for him. And that's where our story picks up today. Now apparently God didn't tell the widow that she was part of the plan. And yet this far into the drought, this widow who does not worship God willingly shares the little water that she has. But the food she has is so minimal, it cannot be split among her, her son, and Elisha. Yet somehow God provides for all three of them. What would have happened if the widow had said no to Elisha's request? To us, her yes seems absolutely foolhardy, even irresponsible to herself and her son. Can we live like this widow or like the widow of the gospel passage? Can we risk our very lives in giving to God? Should we risk our lives in that way, giving to God? Again, it's not clear to me if Jesus is praising or despairing when he points out the widow giving the last of her possessions to the temple. I think back to my pastoral year when I lived with Father Larry Rice and Father Chuck Cunniff. I was struck by their can-do attitude. If someone asked them to do something, they said yes. They would find a way. It was such a positive, joyful, and infectious way to live. It was very, very different from my parents. I like to say, even though I was born in the mid-70s, the most influential event of my life was the Great Depression. Okay, some of you are too young to get that. But anyway... Just so you know, I was born about 45 years after the Great Depression, okay? I might be old, but I'm not that old. My parents rarely threw anything away, and that's a real problem when you don't know how to fix anything that's broken. During my pastoral year, I tried to be more like Larry and Chuck, and it was wonderful. When people asked things of me, I tried my best to help them. And if I couldn't, I would go to our weekly staff meetings and we would brainstorm and figure out who or how to help somebody out with what they requested. And I think a lot about our undergraduate students who have really made St. John 23rd Parish their home. Yeah, hi, they actually do get up for this mass. Um, those of you who hang out here a lot and have become really good friends, I think you find that a lot of people have asked you for things that you're not used to people asking you for. But when you respond with joy, it's a wonderful thing. It would be great if a couple of you nodded your heads up and down. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I feel better now. The fact of the matter is, most of us feel that we don't have enough time, we don't have enough talent, and we don't have enough money. If we don't want to give of ourselves, it's always easy to find a really good excuse. I'd like to give to the ladies of charity, but I'm saving for my kids' education fund. I'd like to go on that mission trip, but I only have so many vacation days in a year. I'd like to visit the shut-ins, but well, I don't really like to because I don't know what to say. 
As a very funny friar once preached at my home parish about 25 years ago, I would never say this myself, but I'm quoting, okay? Jesus says that the gate to heaven is narrow. You can't get in with a big butt. I would never say that. God poignantly told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. It is in giving everything to God that we truly receive. Here's a prayer by St. Nicholas of Cusa that I use a lot when I visit patients in nursing homes. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing me this far. In your light, I see the light of my life. Your teaching is brief and to the point. You persuade us to trust in God. You command us to love one another. You promise everything to those who obey your teaching. You ask nothing too hard for a believer. Nothing a lover can refuse. Your promises to your disciples are true. Nothing but the truth. Even more, you promise us yourself the perfection of all that can be made perfect. It's all about trusting in God. We've all seen glimpses of the great truths of this prayer. Whenever we do visit the sick or the grieving, we usually come away with a greater sense of peace and tranquility. And people who commit themselves to vocations that they truly love instead of something that just brings in a good paycheck, those people usually have a deep sense of purpose. When it comes to giving to charity, we often hear the advice, give until it hurts. No, that's a lousy way to approach discipleship and charity. Jesus asks us to give all of our treasure, our talents, and our time to him. Give until it feels good. 